Welcome to Innovating Leadership, co-creating our future. I'm your host, Maureen Metcalf, founder and CEO of the Innovative Leadership Institute. We are at the 2022 International Leadership Association Global Conference in Washington, D.C. with Valerie Biden-Owens. Valerie is a political strategist, the first woman in U.S. history to have run a presidential campaign, and the author of the New York Times bestselling book, Growing Up Biden. Valerie, you talk about a lot of topics. Give us just a couple of minutes on the book, Growing Up Biden, and then I want to shift gears to women in leadership. The first question that people usually ask me is, why did I write the book? Why did I write Growing Up Biden? And I wrote it because I'm a storyteller, and it's about the magic of family. We grew up, my three brothers and I, in a middle-class American family in mid-20th century, And I think that the stories and the things that happened in our lives are probably very similar to what happened to a lot of the people who are listening in the audience today. And that is that the strands that weave the fabric of family together, which are commitment and loyalty and love and heartbreak and loss and disappointment, are the same threads that run through most families. And I think that to the extent that we can appreciate and feel the empathy, which is a fancy word for saying absorb, comprehend, understand another person's feelings or emotions, I think we're all better off for it. I think empathy is what's lacking most in our society today. So I wrote the book because I'm a writer. I wrote it for my children and my family. And the other question is, what do you want people to take away from it? There's no moral to my story. To me, what a great compliment to me as an author is when you read the book, if you put it down and you said, oh my God, she gets me. That's my dad in there. That's my brother. That makes me really happy that we've connected. Let's carry then the theme of connection into how do you lead? How do you take that sense of family that you were fortunate to grow up with and bring it into your role as a leader and a strategist? I don't know if there's a definition of how to lead. I think that uh, overused word is authentic. I think a leader should, besides talking the talk, should walk the walk, as the expression goes. I think there is sometimes a misconception that a leader has to be the voice person. In this case, I'll use woman. That she has to be the one out front. And that's not true. A, a leader can be the person who you know, whispers in your ear, the person who stands behind you and gives you the gentle shove, or it can also be the person who stands in front of you and pulls you over the line. A leader inspires confidence in other people. A leader's not about herself. Look at me, pound my chest, I'm a leader. But a leader is someone who can bring the best out of another person, can speak to higher angels, can be um, not an inspiration, that sounds too grandiose, but a positive influence and a mentor and a sponsor of other, in this case, we're talking about women. But look, there's a saying, you know, that women make up half the sky. Well, the other half is men. So men are not our enemies. We women have not been our sister's keeper throughout history. We are, you know, we're just reaching parity now. And speaking of women in general, kind of look and say, okay, well, there's room for more than one more. Come on, Maureen, come with me. Come on, Tina, there's room. But before, when I grew up in the 
60s and 70s going into young adulthood, there was only one place on that ladder for a woman, and when she had it, she held it. But now the whole culture of women leadership is changing, and it's not so much that we become the term that we're using is sisterhood. It's not because it's the right thing to do. It's so let's be good and let's be holy and inclusive. It's because it's smart. Any business, any organization, to the extent that they bring more women into leadership roles, means that that organization is more successful in terms of its stocks, in terms of its culture, in terms of its ethos. So it's not just to be a good person, it's to be a smart person. All we need is a chance to get in the ball game. We talk about the term is empowering women. We don't need to be empowered. We already have the power. We are the vital cog in the supply chain. What we need is the opportunity. And put me in the game, coach. I'll show you what I can do. I'll knock it out of the park. We talked as we were preparing about women who often lack the confidence, the imposter syndrome, and not that men don't also lack that, but specifically for women. How did you develop it? How do you recommend people develop it? Confidence, I believe, is the number one prerequisite for success in life. I had it easy compared to a lot of women because I grew up in a family, mom and dad, for sure, but as the sidekick to my brother Joe, my big brother. And from the time I opened my eyes, he put his hand out and he said, come on, Bao, let's go. We got things to do, places to go, people to see. And we started on our journey. He told me, gospel truth, that whatever he could do, he said, you could do it better. You're smarter than I am. You're a nicer person than I am. You're kinder than I am. All of it wasn't true. He was, I mean, he was years older. Now he's years and years older. Uh, but he was years older and stronger and braver than I. But I believe that I owed it to him and to myself to try to be that little girl and that, that young woman that he said I was capable of. When I talk about that, the audience often that I'm speaking to, I can see the looks and shaking of the head and say, well, that's great, Val. I'm, I'm really happy for you. But you know what? I didn't have that. I didn't have that mom and dad. I didn't have those brothers. So what do I do? And you have to learn how to build that confidence yourself, which is harder. Confidence doesn't come in your DNA. It's learned. It's a strategy. There are things that you can do to build the muscle, build the confidence, build the strength and the courage to be that woman that you aspire to be. Now, we can help. It's always better if, if you got a team around you that mm -hmm. can help you of other women. But if you're on your own, Amy Cuddy wrote a book about this. It's not in the DNA. It's a learned behavior. Even for you, it was a learned behavior? It was osmosis with me. As you, in the introduction, graciously said, I'm the first woman to run a political campaign. Again, I had it a lot easier. My brother was the campaign. He pulled up a chair at the table and said, this is my sister. Whatever she says goes, assume that I'm saying it because he was out campaigning. My other brother, Jimmy Biden, was the fundraiser. We shared responsibilities, and we all were a unit that we didn't know what we didn't know. And that's a really good thing because we just went and did it. Nobody took us seriously. Say, no, 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 Val, you can't do that. You can't be a campaign manager. He was at 26. And I thought, well, wait a second. Hell, 
Joe's 29. If he could be a United States senator, I sure could be a campaign manager at 26. So we just went off and we were bold. We weren't brash. We were bold. And you have to take risks. And for younger women particularly, that's the time to reach. Because the more you have accomplished and the more secure you are, the harder it is to take a risk. So go for it. You know, knock the socks off. Take a reach and risk. We're oftentimes way too cautious. You know, oh, I don't think I can do that. You know what? Think you can do it and try. You talked about values this morning. What are some of the values that you have consistently demonstrated and you see in others that you have the highest regard for? I don't know if I've consistently demonstrated it. Thank you for the compliment. We were Catholic school educated kids. And the reason that that works so well with us is that the values, the social values that the nuns taught us in school merged with the social values that mom and dad had. And simple ones there, but for the grace of God go I. We are our brother's keeper. Treat everybody with dignity. My mom said, you know, Joey, Val, Jim, Frank, nobody's better than you, but you're no better than anyone else. My dad's line all the time, it's not how often you get knocked down, it's how quickly you get back up. My mother said, bravery lives in every heart, and she was sure it would be called upon. What she was saying to us, you kids are going to fail. You know, you're going to stumble. Dad said, get back up, and Mom said, it's in your heart. You have courage. Come on. We were really fortunate to have that reinforcement. It's so much easier if you've got a good angel by your side. you got a strong man or a strong woman who said, you know, you can do this. And that's what women, we are recently understanding that we should be in this together because we can. We need to change the world. We need to make things better. We need to create what our founding fathers wanted, a better union. We always keep working for it. We're not there yet. But you can't do it without the women involved. I agree. And we can't do it if we just think we're going to take over. We are not inherently better than men. We are different. Mm -hmm. You know, we just have two different approach shots. So we got to work together. And I never found that to be difficult because I had a strong dad. And I have three brothers and a husband and a great son. And I was never threatened by them. That made it easier to work together and say, yeah, gee, I never thought of that, or that's a better idea, because that's how you get better ideas, not when you only use half the brain power. You told a story this morning about how you got your nickname, Hurricane. Oh. Uh, (laughs) The reason I think that's such an important story is often women are taught to be nice and to play along and to get along, and yet... Here was an example of where you may have been very nice in the interaction, but you were also clear that the outcome and the answer you were getting wasn't okay. Yes. To be strong, to be courageous to the extent that you need courage in what you're doing. But to be a strong woman doesn't mean you have to be rude. You know, ignorance is rude. Stupidity is rude. To stand firm and to stand on a principle and know what you want for whatever good reason and say, you know, no, that's not acceptable. Let's figure this out. I was not a barn burner, you know, go in and you're going to do it this way, damn it, because I said so. It's like, come on, really? No, let's figure out a way how to do this because we are going to do it. (laughs) And that was what I loved about the story. We are going to do this. We are going to do this. 
Can you share a little bit of the story? Because it's such a beautiful story, and you're a beautiful storyteller. Well, when Senator Obama and Senator Biden were the presidential and vice presidential nominees, they had Secret Service protection. And Secret Service doesn't do it. It's I think it's the Office of Communication in the White House. But the point is that each person has a code name so that things don't get mixed up with the Secret Service. Like Joe's leaving, Biden's leaving, Senator Biden. Like, who are you talking about? It's one code name. So the Secret Service gentleman asked my brother what he wanted his code name to be. And he said, no, talk to my sister. I mean, he was doing that because I, I knew what his code name was. The Secret Service man came and said, okay, ma'am, the code name should start with the letter K because that's how they do it, alphabetical. I said, K? K? No. No, he's not going to have a code name K. Ma'am, the letter is K. And I said, sir, <laughs> the only name that starts with a K that I can think of is King. And I sure in hell am not going to code name Joe King. So, what, <laughs> ma'am. It's K. I said, no, let's make it C because of the Irish heritage. It's Celtic. Seven days later, through all the bureaucracy, he comes back and he finally said, ma'am, code name C. And I said, oh, great. Thank you very much. Now, I have my code name. And he said, and I knew that I didn't get a code name. Only the, the immediate family did. And uh, he, he said, uh, ma'am, you don't get a code name. And I knew it, but I was pulling this chain. And I said, well, because I was thinking of celestial spirit. <laughs> and he said, ma'am, you don't get a code name. And then there's a little bit of a smile. And he said, and besides that, we already have one for you. And I said, you do? What's that? And he said, hurricane. And when we see you coming, we say category one, two, three, four, or five. <laughs> and I said, thank you. I'll take that. Why I love that so much is we're not always taught that it's acceptable to be a Category 5. Sometimes you need to be a Category 5. That's right. That's right. Not in destructive, but is in strength, with determination. This is going to happen, and we're going to figure out a way. Mm -hmm. Not that I'm going to, you know, smash every window in your house, but let's figure this out. And given the, the severity of the situation, there were times that that strength, to your point, not blowing houses down, but that that level of strength is required. Yeah. You know, sometimes in campaigns or in business at moments of crisis, you know, you, if you're the leader, you know, you lie in bed at night and you think, oh my God, what am I going to do? What call am I going to make? And you have to listen to that voice inside you. I mean, it sounds so trite. But that's the true north. Like, what do I have to do? And you have to be strong to believe in yourself. You don't just, you know, wake up and think I'm right. You gather all the facts. You surround yourself by people who are smarter than you are in the areas that you're not smart. You listen to them. You see different points of view. And then at the end, it's your decision. You listen to the intelligent information and you trust your gut and you go and you do it. And sometimes you're pretty much alone. That's where the strength comes from. You're known for leading with intuition, certainly combined with clear competence. I'm leading with Joe, who's Jesuit logic, and I'm intuition. <laughs> and the combination has worked well enough. How did you refine the intuition? I don't know. Mom always told us to be confident, not cocky. There's a big distinction. If you run the traps on yourself, and you said, okay, I've done my best, I've done this and this and 
whatever it is that you have to do to be as prepared as you can be, I mean, you can't go against your gut. I don't know how to answer your question of how you refine it. Not you believe in yourself that you're almighty and you're omniscient and you believe in yourself because you've done your homework and you've prepared and you've listened to other perspectives and you say, yeah, but with my value system, this works because it all goes back to values. What matters most? Integrity, trust, kindness. The mark of a good man or woman is kindness and empathy. You got to add knowledge to all of this, but then you act on empathy. I love the balance of values, good thinking, experience, wisdom, kindness, and empathy. It really does give a holistic response. Hopefully, with knowledge comes wisdom. It doesn't always. But that's why I, I think my brother at the time was the right person for the right job for all the right reasons. Experience, knowledge, empathy yields wisdom. What's next for you? What's your next challenge? Every issue is a woman's issue. We're as concerned about the economy as we are about child care and about health care. So I think that to the extent that I can work with men and women and speak the truth, I don't have a lot to lose. Again, I'm in a safer place. It's easy for me to say, you know, women, stand up, speak the truth. Speak truth to power is a pretty tough thing, especially if you're a woman who's, let's make it, she's 40 years old, she's got two kids, she's divorced, she's trying to work her way in the, you know, buy the house and take care of her kids. And so it's easy for me to say, lean in, go ahead, go get them, stand up, tell the truth, you know, speak up. We don't have to be profiles and courage. We do internally to ourselves, but you don't have to yell or scream to get to where you want to go. Things change. You know, timing is everything. The risk you could take at 40 are not the risks that you would have taken at 20 or that you can afford to take at 60. That's why I say when you're young, stretch, reach, go for it. Go for the gold, knowing that we can't have it all at the same time. It's really difficult. I told my husband when we were getting married, and we were crazy about each other. And he said, this is going to be wonderful. You know, he's excited, happy. And I said, whoa, 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 Jack. All you're doing is making me afraid because you're putting me on a pedestal because I cannot be, nor do I wish to be, super wife, super mistress, super mom, super sister, super corporate person, super political organizer. I can't do all that. And he said, oh, yeah, yeah, I didn't mean that. I'm just... I'm happy that we're getting married and that we can, we're going to figure this out together. But most of the burden in the household still falls to women. Although in the younger kids, there's a more equal distribution of housework and childcare, but it still mostly falls on women. And we got to have the workplace recognize, the culture of the workplace recognize that the most important job in the entire world is raising healthy children. So we can't stress out and make it more difficult for the women who are mothers coming into work. Let's figure that this is not tough, guy, you know? Like, let's figure this out. We don't have healthy children and a healthy home life. We got a long road ahead of us. Change the culture. 
This morning you talked about some things we need to get right, like get your own house in order to be successful. Can you build a little bit on that? I speak mostly in terms of political realities. Mm -hmm. To me, politics is the art and science of living peacefully together in a society with scarce resources and limited allocations. Okay? So Mm -hmm. that's politics. And politics is a noble profession. So when I speak to women and encourage them in the particular form to get involved in politics, but it works for business also. There are a couple principles. The first is get your personal life in order. I don't mean going through the trash can to take out, you know, all your secret documents and burning them. I'm not talking about anything dramatic on TV like that. I'm talking get your personal life in order. If you are married, for example, make sure that your spouse is on board with this or your senior parents or your young children. Because when you go out into the world for this quest, it's all incoming. You know, you got a lot of incoming. And I'm running for office and I come home at 10 o'clock at night and my spouse, my partner is there and said, oh, how was your day, Valerie? And I said, well, you know, it was good. Well, I'm really, I'm really happy. You know, I'm glad it was good for you because I had to leave work early to pick up the kids because one of them was sick. I've made dinner for all three. I gave them their bath. They did their homework and they're in bed now. But, you know, I'm glad it's okay for you. I mean, you don't need to come home to that. It's not going to work. Or your parents who are older and you're used to seeing them every day. And now you only go to see your mom on Sunday and she's, oh, don't worry about me. I'm just your mom. And I'm dying over here. Yeah, it's okay. You know, (laughs) so you got to get your personal life in order. You have to realize what it is worth losing over. Not why you want to win, but what is it worth losing over? How far will you go to win? Or where will you stop even though you know you're not going to make it? And listen to your gut is the third one. Again, get all the information that you can. And then that political pundit or that strategist is not you, does not have your life experience, maybe knows your values but hasn't lived them, and you can't go against your basic values because you come off as a phony. You just can't make it work. Authenticity is now like the new doctrine. Well, it's the old doctrine. You got to be real. So let's go back to that 40-year-old woman who's a single mom and trying to take care of the kids and pay the bills and have a career that she wants to have. What do you say to her? Ask for help. It's not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of intelligence. I need some help here at home, in the office. That's where other women step up to the plate and help and say, you know, this is what I found to be an easier way. Speak up. Ask for help. Men do all the time. Well, they don't ask for help with directions in a car. That, <laughs> that <laughs> I take that back. But And there are people there who are good. In a perfect world, what would you like to be next for you? You talked about each of us being our own Michelangelo and the sculptor helping create us. If you were your own Michelangelo, what would you wish for Val next? I would wish that I work to live up to the expectations and the aspirations that my family and my children have. And mom, you can do this, whatever it is. It's a John Kennedy quote. To whom much has been given, much is expected. I've been given a lot. I've worked hard, 
but I'm supposed to. When you've been given a lot, you're supposed to work hard to make it better. It sounds so grand, but it's our responsibility to make things better, whether it's working for political candidates, whether it's working in the business world, whether it's working with young children. I want to keep doing I don't have a grand plan. Serendipity plays such a large role in everyone's life. I don't have a game plan, but I know I want to be in the game. And we'll see what that is. Beautiful. Hopefully I get to talk to you in a few years and see what that plan turns out to be. And and in retrospect, it'll seem like a brilliant plan. Yeah. Not now. Thank you so much. It's just such a joy to be able to help share your story. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Val, where would people find your book, Growing Up Biden? In their local bookstore or on Amazon. On Audible, it's in your voice, right? Yes, yeah. It's interesting because people have said when they've read the book and they've listened to it, that they like listening to it more than reading it. I haven't listened to it yet, so. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Maureen. To our listeners, thank you for joining us and for using this information to innovate and evolve your leadership. Please remember to like and share today's episode. And a special thank you to the International Leadership Association, whose partnership made today's interview possible.